Amen. Such a good word for us. Thank you very much, Jared and Faith, for leading that. And the Lord is indeed good to us, isn't He? Man, so many reasons to praise Him. And this morning I, I come and just, I know the Lord has been good to me. <laughs> and uh, I know I've said it before, but we are just so glad to be here with you at Haven and uh, close to, I guess, going on six months here now. And uh, it goes by quick, but we're just so thankful for you and the Lord's goodness uh, through you to us. So we, we uh, just rejoice in being here. And uh, I, I was blessed last week, just the deacon meeting we had. It was uh, such a blessing uh, to be there and just a, another goodness of the Lord, the deacons that we have here at Haven. Uh, they are uh, such servants who want to honor Christ, want to share Christ. And uh, that, that is a testimony to the Lord's goodness. And, and so uh, just want to thank you uh, as well, um, deacons here. You're a blessing to many in this church, um, and we thank you uh, for your service. Um, and so let, let's be glad to recognize the goodness of the Lord when we see it um, and in so many ways, even as that song was saying, even when we're going through hard times, He is still good. Amen. So let's remember that, and let's turn then and quiet our hearts before the Lord and pray. How good you are, God. Your goodness has been persistent and your goodness is evident every day of every moment throughout all of history. Your goodness is never been adjusted, it has never ceased, it has never dwindled, it has never diminished. You have always been good, and you always will be good, and, and you are our hope this morning. Uh, we all here are a testimony to your goodness that you would send your son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins, and in your goodness and your mercy, you would save us, even though we don't deserve it. How good you are, O oh God. And we thank you. We thank you, Father, that you're with us in the good and the bad. And you are our help with every hour. We thank you. And we pray, Father, as we come to your word now, that you would prepare our hearts, help us to come ready to hear it. And receive it wholeheartedly, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning, if you have been here, we've been walking through the minor prophet, the book of Habakkuk. And so we are coming to this morning to the final verses of this book. And so if you have been here the last few Sundays... Uh, you may have been hearing all of these sermons and hearing uh, all these chapters of Habakkuk, and you may have thought, man, you know, this book, it seems awfully doom and gloom. Well, 
Honestly, you are not incorrect in that sentiment. You are uh, right. There is quite a tone of doom and gloom over the book. And, and that's not unintentional. What was going on and what was going to happen was doom and gloom. So if you got that sense, you heard it right. But at the same time, you know, I hope it's also been apparent that throughout that, this book, there is a very real hope that pervades all of it also. And so, as this book then comes to a landing here, as we come to the end, I hope that you know, we come away with two impressions from this book. First, this is the word of the Lord. God has spoken. We don't look at this and say, well, the world says this is a little too negative for our taste. We're not going to talk about what God has said here. We say, let's hear the full counsel of the Word of God. And we go to it. We preach it gladly. Second, even in the midst of the doom and gloom, even while the clouds are still overhead, there is hope. In the midst of confusing times, the righteous shall live by faith. Two impressions. So last week, we saw the dark clouds that we have kind of drank from. Throughout this book, they began to subside and light is peeking through. And it began to come through in the midst of the clouds. So we saw that in the midst of confusing times, God, he has not changed, but God most definitely changed Habakkuk. And I hope that with the end of this book that he also has changed you. I mean, woe to us if we come away from the Word of God and we come away not changed. And that's a, that's a dangerous place to be in. Lord, help us. I mean, if we're honest, we've, we have to fight against that, right? As we spend time in the Word, as we hear it preached, we don't just come away and say, well, I heard it, and I'm going on my way. But let us come away from the Word of God changed Amen. today and every day. Now with the final verses of this book, We don't see another complaint or question, but we see hope in the midst of a very real judgment that is coming. So we see here the resolution of the man of faith. So if you would then turn in your Bibles to Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 17 through 19, and we will read the final words from this prophet. So may God... Bless his good word this morning. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit beyond the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet... I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy 
in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. To the choir master with stringed instruments. What a statement. After all that we have seen here in this book, all of Habakkuk's complaints, he ends with this. So he gets the point. So he has heard God's word and he has received it with all of his heart. That's what we're seeing here is a man who comes in submission entirely to what you have said, God. So he began with a complaint, followed by another complaint, asking God, why? So he, he wonders why God has not judged wicked Judah walking in their wickedness. But then, after God answers, he wonders why God would use wicked Babylon, this pagan Gentile nation, to judge Israel. But now, after all has been said and has been done, God, he has given Habakkuk his sovereign, wise, and good answer. We just sang he was good. So his answer is good as well. And so now Habakkuk, beginning in chapter 3, verse 1, what does he do? Righteous shall live by faith. Now we're seeing Habakkuk live as a man by faith, living by faith. Beginning in chapter 3, verse 1, what does he do? He prays to God and he worships. So if you heard me read that last part to the choir master with stringed instruments, and you're like, well, that's out of place. It's not out of place. This is a psalm, and Habakkuk is worshiping God in prayer. And so would the people of Israel. They would take this up and worship God in the midst of confusing times. So don't just see that and think, oh man, I wish, I wish they wouldn't have put that last part there because it was going good until they added that. Well, don't look at it that way. He is worshiping God as he's saying these things. So he bows here not to false idols that are empty and lifeless, but to the God who is there in his holy temple. And he worships and he submits to all of God's good word. And so he comes out on the other side of everything that we have seen, trembling yet trusting. I, I love these final verses here. I don't know if you're like me, but you know, I can't tell you so many times that I have went back to these verses again and again and how the Lord has just used them in the midst of the, the challenges of life that we faced, confusing times that we have faced, and, and you also. I mean, what an encouragement these words are for us. And perhaps you're, you're like Habakkuk here today and you're looking out over the horizon and what you see that's coming, because it was coming for him, what you see is difficulty. 
What you see is pain. What you see is loss. What you see is perhaps confusing times. If that is what you see over the horizon, or even something that may come and even will very likely come, then with Habakkuk, let us bless God even when all is lost. So in your bulletin there, there's a handout, and that's the first point. Bless God even when all is lost. Now, what was coming here was not hypothetical. Why do I say it? Well, uh, we may think it's hypothetical in part because of this word here. It begins with verse 17, though the fig tree. Uh, so that may seem to kind of give this sense that all that Habakkuk is listing here, all that he loses is, is hypothetical, that you know, it may happen. So this is a possibility. It may come about. Well, that's, that's not what this is saying. But at the same time, I think uh, that word there is kind of d- being used doubly. It's for us, right? It's for anyone who would read these words and think, even if all is lost, even then I will bless God. So it wasn't conditional, but as we read it, it encourages us because when those hard times come, even then I will bless God. So none of us knows what lies ahead for us. You know, personally, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen an hour from now. I mean, do you? <laughs> you we just don't. We don't know what's going to be for our nation. But even then, even if our souls are shaken to the core, or our nation is going headlong into storms of God's judgment, even then, we are being exhorted, bless Him. But just note that here for Habakkuk, this is not hypothetical. It is certain. He will lose everything. God, He has spoken, and His judgments, they were most certainly going to come, and they did. I mean, all that's listed here in this book did come about. Just as God had said, Judah did encounter and experience the very real and devastating judgment of God. And so did Babylon. And it was great. So all that's listed here did come. So what's listed here in these verses, the figs, the wine, the oil, the food... The flock and the herd, they would all be lost. So the way that this passage is structured, at least verse 17 here, it moves from what would have been considered kind of the niceties at the time, like figs, uh, wine, and it moves from those kind of things that are more pleasant to necessities, like the fields Yielding no food. That is something we need, (laughs) is food. And 
No food is something we cannot have. We have to have food. And then there being no flock or herds remaining either, so wealth, provision for food as well is gone. So niceties and necessities alike, they would be swallowed up and they would be taken away. Yet, in the midst of all this, what does Habakkuk do? He blesses God. So, if we were going to give something of a, how that would look today, something comparable to if this happened to us today, it would mean there would be no more Bojangles. I know, saying that right there, some of you are you know, pierced to the heart, um, but you're like, wrap it up, amen. No, uh, <laughs> they all left pierced of heart. And, no, so it would be no more Bojangles and no more Chick-fil-A. So, uh, so sorry, Kanye, you know, closed on Sunday. I want my Chick-fil-A. Well, it would not be there. No more Chick-fil-A, no more ice cream or ice dreams. No more soda. And some of you are probably like, well, that's probably a good thing. Um, no more tea. Man, and yes, no more coffee. We'd be in tr- I'd be in trouble there. <laughs> no more fruit. Progression. No more fruit. No more meat. No more milk. No more food. No house. No cars. Children. No toys. No Microsofts. And no Macs there. And yet, even then, in the midst of from pleasurable things to we have to have these things being gone. We're going into Babylon to people who will oppress us, a nation that will oppress us and will give us something perhaps, but maybe they won't. Yet even then, if that means for us no more of those things, when all is lost, you then would turn and you would bless God also. Your house is gone. Your wealth is gone. You come and say, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord, the God of my salvation. Now, let's take it a bit further here as well and make it perhaps a little more personal. You may say to all that, you may, you may say, Oh, well, that's fine. You know, I just go with it. I mean, that's not that big a deal, losing all those things. Um, hey, I might even lose some, some weight without all that fast food, you know, being around anymore, and I wouldn't be eating it. Well, we need to see that the point goes deeper than that. Habakkuk is blessing God in whatever loss may be ahead. What was ahead for him was not just these material things. He would have some dear people around him also who would be lost. Yet, he turns and blesses God. So what if it wasn't just a loss of stuff, but a loss of those who are most dear and close to you? Like I said, it's a little more personal here. This does not mean that we would not grieve, we would not be, uh, we would not weep, we would not even struggle. We see Habakkuk struggle with this. He knows 
that this is going to be hard. There's a reason why in verse 16 he says, And I hear my body trembles, my lips quiver at the sound, rottenness enters into my bones, my legs tremble beneath me. There's a reason he says that. This is not easy what is coming. So he did. But we are called to come alongside Habakkuk and resolve, even then, I will bless God. I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. He is my strength. And that likely is even why I can do it, even then. In the midst of loss of all those sorts. And so the question before us is this. Is Christ of greater value and worth to you than what you have lost? And this is not just a hypothetical kind of preacher question. You know, Jesus says to the multitudes, if you remember, Grant came a few months ago and preached this. Even as he knew, he knew their hearts, He knew their hearts. He knew their losses. He tells them what? If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. So, note it well here. We bless God even then, not because those around us aren't dear to us, because they are, and not because they aren't dear to God, because they are, but it means that even then, Christ is to be more dear to you than anyone or anything else. As Habakkuk writes these words, that is why he can bless God, even when all is lost. So Christ also is to be your full portion. And this is the heartbeat of what Habakkuk is saying here. And may we join him, brothers and sisters, in making Christ our treasure. You are my portion, Jesus, above anyone or anything else. May he be our portion. But as we look at Habakkuk's words here, let's take them and flip them over. Let's look at the opposite of loss. So the flip side of being blessed by God or blessing God even when all is lost is to bless God even when all abounds. So, you know, certainly, you know, lack and need and no food, I mean, that would be challenging, losing one's dear to us. But we are in a country that has much. We are abounding, even overflowing with much materially. So on the, the flip side of loss, let's ask if we are blessing God even in our abundance 
Are we rejoicing in Him even when we are blessed? And I, I think right there may not come across as much of a challenge as it is. It is a challenge to the heart for us as Americans. Though the fig tree blossoms, fruit beyond the vines, the produce of the olive flourishes, and the fields yield much food, the flock be kept with the fold, and there be abundant herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord, and I will take joy in the God of my salvation. And so let's, let's don't brush this off. It's a very real possibility We may be blessing God because all is well with us and not because of God Himself. You have your home. You have your health. You have your job. You have your coffee. You have your ice cream. You have your electronics. You have your stuff. But therein lies the danger. Are we rejoicing in God or rejoicing in His gifts? Which one is it? I mean, we find out pretty quick when those gifts are taken away. Anger. You took away what I was worshiping. How dare you? So which is it? You know, we've moved a number of times over the years. And each time, you know, I look at all our stuff and I'm just, I just think, man... Do we really need all this stuff? <laughs> I just, I'm not saying that, you know, you need to sell everything you have, you know, and get rid of and stop, you know, having things, but I'm asking us to do something harder and I'm asking us to ask the question is, do you treasure Christ above what you have? Is Christ of greater value to you than what you have? So right now, we must be bold. I mean, in the midst of the American dream, we must boldly challenge our preferences and pleasures alike. The core, at the very bottom of why you do what you do, is Christ there as your true food, as your true bread, as your true drink for the soul. Is He at the bottom or is it something else? Your children, are they there? And when that's out of your hands, get out of the way of anyone who gets in the way of a a parent loving and idolizing their child. They do not respond kindly to their idol being taken from them. Future husband, (laughs) future wife, watch out. So we need to ask and examine our hearts in these hard questions. Which leads us then to the central thrust, all of these, and the central thrust of Habakkuk's words here, that we are to bless God because of God. Bless God because of God. God is Habakkuk's joy. He is his salvation He is His strength. 
In the same way, Christ is to be the true treasure of your soul. He is at the bottom of your heart. Of everything else, the bottom reason, at the very bottom of it all, the reason you are rejoicing is Jesus. You know, May 2008 would be a defining moment in my life. There on May 17th, 2008, Megan and I got married. But before I married Megan, we both had been defined by someone else. We both loved Jesus and we longed to serve Him. He was the man in our life. Now, before I met Megan, I remember resolving that I wouldn't, I wouldn't marry anyone who wasn't a Christian, one, nor would I marry anyone who I couldn't talk to often about Jesus. I pictured in my mind, you know, thinking of this future person, you know, sitting down with this, my future wife and just, I mean, of course we can talk about other things as well, but just being free to talk about how the Lord is changing me and growing me and about Jesus and how he's changing you and growing you and uh, how your love for Jesus is growing and, and vice versa. And, and we can do that freely and it's not uh, out of place to talk about Christ because he is central here in our hearts. So why would he not be central as well in our family and our conversations and everything else? So that's the, the image I had of whoever would be my future wife. Well, and Megan, when Megan came along, that is exactly what I got. She loves Jesus and loves to talk about Jesus. So we both agreed early on that Christ would be number one. He was going to be above our relationship with each other. He was going to be above our relationship with our children. He was going to be above anyone. And then second to Christ would be our relationship with each other. And then our children. After each other. And so, with this heart, we decided that, you know, the words we wanted to have read at our wedding would be these. Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 17 through 19. Why? Well, we resolved to make it our aim that whether we would go through times without anything or times with much, whether what lied ahead of us were confusing times or not, Christ, He would be our treasure and Christ, He would be our all. And I don't know if it's ironic, but I mean, our, our years of being married, I feel like we've had many of those years of loss. The Lord has walked us through. Well, is Christ really enough for you? You know, uh, And continually by His grace, He has grown us. Yes, Lord, as we get up bruised and beaten, and He's growing us. And yes, we had some, some idols here, but He is enough even when we lose our children or a child or whatever comes, yes, He is enough when we fight or yes, He is enough when this and that happens or you know, uh, when people do evil things against us. He is enough even then, even when we don't know, we've lost our job, we don't know what's going to happen next. He's enough even then. So, the Lord has been good to us and 
perhaps has even brought us through something of the fire of this passage. And that's, I don't say all that because, you know, we're super spiritual, but it's because it's what God is calling for us to do. It's what he's calling you to do right now. It's what he's calling all of us, Haven Baptist Church, to do. In the midst of whatever side you are on, whether it's loss or abundance or times of clarity or confusing times, he is to be your treasure above anything and above anyone else. Friend, Christ is to be above all in your life. And I mean that. He is to be above all in your life. Not your job, not your money, not your stuff, not your children, not your spouse. But Christ is to be the love of your soul. You were made for Him. And right now, I mean, you may be here and you may be looking for joy. You've searched high and low. And let me tell you, the outside of Jesus, you will not find true, lasting, even everlasting joy. It's not out there. Read Ecclesiastes. It's not out there. We need to cease settling for dung and dirt, when what is offered to us is the most bountiful and delightful of feasts, and that without end. It is to this feast you are invited. Simply come to Christ and give Him your whole self as an offering. All of you. Don't hold anything back. Just come to Him and say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Have it all. Every part of it. Do with it as you please. Wherever you are, whether you're here and you don't know Christ, or you're here and you do, Christ bids you come to Him as the delight and true joy of your soul. Matthew Henry, the Puritan pastor, he rightly said, joy in God is never out of season. May we all come humbly saying, yes, Lord, I will rejoice in you. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. You are my strength. The one who gives me grace to walk through the deepest valley or to climb the most treacherous of mountains. You are the one. And so, train your heart to be satisfied in Christ. Be honest and be willing to dig deep. And the deeper the digging you do, the greater the treasure you'll be, it will be in the finding of Christ. So dig deep and take hold of joy, brothers and sisters, because He is true joy and He is true drink. Now, as we come to the end of this book, there are three lessons from Habakkuk that we may come away with. First, be honest with God. We've seen a man here who has laid out his heart before God. He didn't come 
with a fist raised, but he came with honest faith, leaning into God, and it led him to be changed forever. Second, be humbled by God. It is good to be humbled by God. God showed Habakkuk he needed to change. So God, he did not change. He, God did not need to change, but Habakkuk did. And so do we. So each of us, if we know Christ, we should be. There should be an uh, upward flow to change in our life. We should be changing and continually being changed by God. It should be like this. There are downward sides, but it's always going upward. I remember, you know, early on as a Christian, you know, I was being challenged in my faith and at work and various other places. I was a new believer and uh, people were challenging it with a variety of, you know, questions and challenges. And I just remember, you know, simply falling on my knees and saying, God, I don't know, but I will trust you. You are my God and I have no other. You are my hope, and apart from you, I have nothing. And so I came away from that, humbled by God and changed. And maybe that's you. Friend, it is good to be humbled by God. Lean into God this morning. Third, be delighting in God. Let Christ be your treasure. Habakkuk, after all of his complaints and questions, he comes away knowing the meaning of the words, but the righteous shall live by his faith. Now, this last chapter, what does it give us? It gives us a man who is living by his faith. So also, we are to so live, so delight in, and so trust our Savior. So as we come to the end of this book, Make this your resolution. I will trust God and look to Him. In the midst of the confusing times or whatever may come, you shall live by faith. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for this book, Habakkuk, as we close it in respect to preaching it here, but we don't close it in respect to our lives. It is a book we always we need to come back to, and may we come away this morning taking it to heart. May we come away this morning blessing you, God, whether in loss or in much, and may we come away blessing you because of you, that you would be our exceeding joy and our portion. And may you help us, Lord, to come away humbled and changed, just like Habakkuk, that we would be men and women of faith. Father, as we have this time of response, pray that, Lord, if there's anyone here who needs to pray, Maybe feel free to come forward and just 
whether with me or just up here, these steps and pray and pray that you would help them come. And pray that if there's someone here who does not know Christ, that right now, as you have already been speaking to them in their hearts, that they would respond by faith and say, yes, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And respond in trusting in you. Others here, if they need to come forward for membership. May you help them to, to do that. Or baptism. We pray that you would lead them in that. And so we, we ask, Father, even as we began, woe to us if we come away as a people who are unchanged after hearing your word. So we pl- pray your blessing upon our response for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.